You ever get up here and maybe you have, maybe you haven't, or get into a situation where you figured you were going to start a certain way and then God puts just a little pause on your heart? Well, God's put a pause on my heart this morning because I was having, just, just bear with me, it, it'll, it'll, it'll tie in. God, God's going to do an amazing thing this morning. Um... I was having dinner with a, a, a friend, a Christian brother, and, and the first thing that came out of his mouth, even before we grabbed the menus, was, does so-and-so still go to Union Grove Baptist Church? I smiled and kindly and said yes. Well, then I, I won't be coming there. And I was like, ugh. How, how, do you, how, how do you deal with that one? And I said, well so-and-so because I, I don't want to out them. They're, they're friends. And I said, well, <clears throat> I said, well, whatever you see in my life that looks like Jesus, let's celebrate that. And what doesn't look like Jesus, you better keep praying for me. And we need to have a little long-suffering and grace on, on one another. And I said, you're, you're really setting that person up Almost above Jesus, because he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as a manner of some, some is, but so much, or gather so much more as you see Jesus' day of appearing approaching. I said, so you've set that person up on a pedestal almost equal with Christ, because you're letting them be a hindrance to your fellowship with other believers. Secondarily, you're not willing to forgive I never asked me to forgive. Well, <clears throat> right? Young people, if you're 12 years old through senior, you're a senior this year, I want you to look at me right here. Because I've got something to say to, to you as well. Because we just picked on the adults. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 says, Let no one despise you because you're young, but be thou an example of believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. Just because you're young doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you and you and you and you. We're here to celebrate Christ and we want him, as you start to let him work in your hearts and lives, there's going to be some things, that, the phrase sophomoric. <laughs> comes from teenagers, you know, we sort of, that's sophomoric. And when adults act sophomoric, we say, that doesn't look like Jesus. And we encourage one another. And young people, there's people who aren't coming to this congregation because sometimes you might have hurt their feelings. And we don't want that to be. And it shouldn't be. But we're going to grace on you just like we grace on us as adults. You know? And we love you and we just can't wait to see what God's going to do. Because God wants to use you in an amazing way. He's created you, only you, so that you could fulfill his glory in a way that I can't. And I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. 
So don't let sin reign and, and, and don't let, let, you know, there's times in my life and your life where I don't look like Jesus. And so please forgive me where I've either stepped on your toes or otherwise dinged your car with my shopping cart. Everybody gets a little upset when that happens. And that just means we're going to have to grace on one another. So this morning, how has God been working in your heart? Because he's been working, all right? And some of us do this. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. Uh, you know, those of you that came from multiple um, sibling households, I'm sure from time to time have maybe done that. La, 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 la. Or close your eyes. If I close my eyes, you're not really there. Right? There's a sophomoric action. You know, play hide and seek. They're about four years old. Dad's counting in the kitchen. One, two, you better go hide. You're sitting there by the refrigerator with their eyes closed. Right? And we sort of play that game with God. Well, maybe if I just close my eyes, he won't be there. Maybe if I put my fingers in my ears and make a little noise with my life, he'll go away. But I'm telling you, we serve a loving God who wants to just reach down into our brokenness and he wants to take it. And Christ in his amazing blood can crucify that on the cross and give us a life that's not just life, but he wants to give us a life that's abundant and free in him. I just figured that I was encouraged by, by that and I was hoping you would be encouraged by that as well. We're going to open up our scriptures this morning to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be in, we're going to go really far into the Hebrews chapter, no, we're going to hit the first two verses today. All right. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, this is from the King James Version. Yours might be slightly different. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord God, we just remember last week's message where we recognize that when we come into your glory, we are changed. We recognize how awesome your holiness is. We recognize how much grace is there for us because of Christ's work on the cross. Lord, you're doing an amazing work in our midst, and we're going to celebrate what you're doing. But Lord, you want us to be part of it. You won't drag anybody to the altar. 
Drop the scales from our eyes. Lord God, open up our hearts. Break our hardened hearts. And may your spirit be strong in us. And we'll praise you for what you will do. In Christ's name we'll pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12 is is an amazing passage. You'll have to forgive me if I say Paul. Uh, We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's somebody that had some Pauline um, either experience or, 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 or influence or some life experience similar to, to Paul because of how that it is written and how that it is just such a command for the Jewish faith and the understanding of the Messiah and how Christ came to be the author and the finisher of our faith. And it's an amazing thing when we consider, in fact, if I say, Paul, you don't have to write me a nasty gram and jam it in my box. You can actually just come to me and say, well, you, know, you messed up. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, how many people have ever seen people put on bug spray? I don't like how bug spray feels on my arms. And so I, I'm one of these spritzers, like, just a little bit, you know, and then rub it in, and they don't like me all that much. My, my son-in-law, if there's a mosquito within 200 miles, they found him. And that man, he's got to grab that off-can or, I just did an advertisement. Um, he'll grab that bug, repellent. This mist, this cloud, uh, there, yeah, he's hoping that that will be enough to keep them off him, all right? And so what it says, there's a great cloud. You can sort of think of it as the, the Greeks use this phrase like it was like you're walking out of a sauna and, and you just thrown a, a glass full of water on the coals and just, just sort of goes around you, envelops you. And, and so it's trying to use this descriptive term about a cloud of witnesses. And we don't quite know what that word witness talks about. Well, because we know there's 18 people the Lord allows in Hebrews chapter 11 that celebrate different walks of life but demonstrate this, what we call them the awesome heroes of the faith. All right? And he picks out 18 different men and women who were heroes of the faith. And then we know that the chapters aren't inspired and, and so it keeps rolling into chapter 12 and it starts the conversation with this great cloud of witnesses. And some, you know, preachers are dogmatic about it's a stadium of people who see us from heaven and they're watching us and cheering us on in glory. I, I can't prove that. It's, it's, a, it's a good, if you're going to use your sanctified imagination, that, that's a good point and you could, you could probably make a good sermon on that. Um, there's also people that get into court and they, they raise, they put their hand on the Bible or they used to put their hand on the Bible and now they just basically raise your right hand you promise to uh, tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but truth and then they lie and say yes. <clears throat> That's jilted, sorry. <laughs> but there's eyewitnesses there and, and those 18 people that God had just, just celebrated 
Those were eyewitnesses as how we go through life we can, and there's so many we are and how we live our lives and the trials and the struggles and, and, and the trials of faith that we struggle with, that we can pick one of them out and apply them to our heart and life. It was sort of like a lineup. If you went to the lineup of faith and you're looking at like, which one aligns with my life? Hmm, that wasn't that one. That one. You know, it was sort of an eyewitness. Maybe it was that kind of witness. Or some some uh, commentaries I was reading about was talking about more like on the bottom there that were surrounded by people, a support group of faith that have demonstrated that if these 18 people could walk with God, even through their difficulties, surely I can walk in faith with Christ. Take any of those and run with them because they're all good. They're all ways. Whatever way, there's not a bad way to describe that cloud of witnesses today. Well, it doesn't just stop there because that's, that is encouraging. Um, but it says, set aside every weight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and the last half. What you see here is pictures of Chilkoot Pass, 1896. About starting in August 11th. Um, what you see there at the very top is somebody walking in the snow with a piano strapped to his back. They had to travel 3,000 plus feet up through this very narrow pass. And the Canadians were making them take a ton of supplies because if they didn't take a ton of supplies, and they had a list, six pairs of socks, two over flannel overshirts, one waterproof blanket, uh, 400 pounds of food, and they had a big list of food that you had to take. Well, for every mile that these people went up and down the pass, because they would come down, put about 60 pounds of material on their back. The one guy's got a canoe on his back. And would walk up the pass and they would store their goods at the top and they would walk back down. For every mile that these guys toted their gear, it's estimated that they traveled 80 miles just to get it there. There and back, there and back, there and back, there and back. Just so that they could fulfill their dream of digging for gold. And the Bible tells us that we need to set aside every weight. Well, I'm telling you what. I don't care how bad you want gold or how bad you want to be a pioneer. You do not need to drag a piano. You may like music like the people up here sharing music this morning. You do not need to drag a piano up to the top. That may be a nicety. I'm sure hoping that was after the beans and the bacon and the canoe and the matches and the kerosene. I'm sure hoping that this man, because it's actually a rendering of something that actually happened. I'm sure hoping that he was dragging that piano to the top of the mountain after everything else was up there. Because if not, hmm, that's an interesting decision. What about in our Christian lives? When he says, lay aside the weight, he's not talking about sin. Not yet. We'll get there. There's some good things that are getting in the way of you and me serving Christ. 
You know, ever sit down with a teenager and start having a conversation with, well, you know, there's good, better, and best decisions. And, and we delineate how that the, you know, getting up at uh, the crack of noon is not the best decision. Uh, how that, you know, when you were a kid, you, you had to walk up hills both ways to school and it was 10 degrees and the wind was in your face every, every direction. I see Amber Morey sitting back there. She heard those stories from her dad. Uh, you know, there wasn't a deer that he never shot with one shot right between the eyes and, you know, 97 foot uh, drifts on the way to both schools and her mom went to a, a, a single room class and she did. Um, and how that, you know, if she can learn in a single room classroom, surely she should be able to learn in her classroom. And she's smiling because she knows I got this about right. Because my daddy told me the same thing. And we start telling them that there's good, better, and best choices. And that if they want the very uh, best for their lives, they're going to start not just choosing good things. And that they would start maturing and choosing better things. And that as they really mature, they would start choosing the best things. Tell that to the man sitting on the couch watching some sort of football, eating Cheetos and Cheese Whiz. <laughs> right? Then they start to look like me, a little soft around the middle. Because I haven't always been making best choices with my dietary needs. Um, I've gone beyond my needs and went to my greeds. <laughs> right? You're all chuckling because you've done it too. So in our Christian walk, are we getting a little soft around the middle? Because it may not be a bad choice. And this is what he's getting at. But if you want to get to the altitude that he wants you to be, you're going to have to let go of something. You ever think about, uh, it's not the hot air balloons particularly, it's the, the gas balloons and things like that, like helium and hydrogen balloons. And in order for them to get into the troposphere, and they start up this way and then the, uh, all this, that, and the other thing, and they literally put glass beads in the bottom of cardboard boxes with little trap doors that as they get to a certain height, they have to let off some of the weight because they need to be able to get up to where they need to be so that they can do their scientific experiment. And so that particular balloon's got a specific mission. In order to do it, it's got to let go of some weight. And so what about you? You know, I tease the young adults because several of them really like to jump out of planes with a piece of nylon strapped to their back and hope that as they pull the metal ring, the chute pops out. And I said, I really respect the people that are on mission. They got 90 pounds strapped to the back and a firearm on their front and they jump out on mission for our nation. I don't know if I could bring myself to do it if I didn't have a really good reason to jump out of a perfectly good plane. I'm not, it's not a bravery thing. It's a, it's a well, why would you do it? But if you were on mission and you knew that your buddy was counting on you to bring whatever you had strapped to your back, you'd jump out with your training and your exercising and you do it too. And so in the Christian life, if you're on mission, what are you setting aside so that Christ could be glorified more 
through you. Sometimes it's giving something up. Every once in a while, Scripture talks about taking something on. But at this particular verse, he's talking to us about setting it aside because we've got a mission. I don't know what yours is. I know what mine is. But God knows, and he's talking to you right now. And then we can respond in one of two ways. I'm hiding by the refrigerator, got my eyes closed, or I can put my fingers in my ears and just go, la, 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 God, I I don't want to really hear you today. Let's pray that we want to hear God today. The next part of the verse talks about the sin that entangles us. I show that rope there, they call it, on a boat, they call it the bite of the rope. Um, If you're fishing, you don't want to get caught in the bite. Uh, It's usually rope that's on the deck. It's usually tried to be stored in a good way so that as you throw either a crab pot over the side or you're throwing a buoy or a marker or, in my case, my boat, a downrigger or something like that, you don't want it to get wrapped around your foot because when you fling it overboard, it ensnares your foot and usually pulls you over. And that's not a good thing. So you have to watch where you step on deck because you don't want to get caught in the bite. In the corner there, it shows like people being entangled or ensnared in their own wickedness. Things that are catching up with them. Things that are holding them back. And sin always separates. Sin always entangles. We think that somehow for a while the Bible tells us that sin is enjoyable for a season. But scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, you will reap. It's a law of sowing and reaping. If you're sowing pumpkin seeds, you don't get watermelons. If you sow sin, my friend, you will not reap blessing. You will reap judgment unto yourself. And so, so set aside the weight. Maybe it's the good thing that needs to be set aside. But then it says also, the sin that so easily besets or entangles us. Another way to put it, and another version puts it in a little different way, is the sin that clings so closely. Uh, at the bottom there, you see hands. That's a picture, I cropped out a picture of a man getting pulled out of the quicksand. Wasn't paying attention to where he was walking, and, and you know, you, we sort of watch Gilligan's Island, and next thing you know, the hat's just floating on top, and my poor little buddy is in the quicksand. But it's no joke. My sister was down at Zion Park out in Utah. Big warnings everywhere. Watch out for quicksand. Because people die falling into quicksand. You're there. You don't hardly even recognize it. Next thing you know, you're stuck. And the more that you struggle in and over your own power, you're stuck. And you wiggle some more. And you go deeper. And you wiggle some more. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper figuratively into our sin. And we need somebody to reach down and help us out. And Christ is the one 
who throws out the lifeline. Sometimes it's by a Christian brother or a Christian sister who are willing to get their hands a little dirty and get their hearts a little grubby and they reach down and they help pull us out of the quicksand. Who are you reaching out today? There's people all around us dying and going to a Christless eternity. We're going to talk about it more tonight. Justin's got it, got it right, you know, he's got it teed up and kapowie, he's ready to drive that thing 200 yards. All right? But is heaven so real to us? Is hell real to us? I, I really think sometimes that evangelicals like us really must not think heaven's all that great and they must really not believe in a literal hell. We must think it's all about here because we sort of keep it, the gospel of Christ to ourselves. You ever hear a gal talk about a sale she found? Ever hear a guy talk about a truck that he found for a good deal? Right? That's just for coach purses and orange trucks like Colton's. And we get, man, I tell you what, we brag about how little we paid for it and Man, how many we made it out of there with, and I had this extra coupon and some other cash on top of that, and they basically paid me to walk in the door. We got something so much valuable, so much more valuable. That's Jesus Christ and his gospel and what he's done in our hearts and lives, and it should just be percolating out of us, our pores. I used to have a deacon friend at my dad's church, and he had allergies so bad. He had tried every pill that the doctors had given him, and, and they did work some. But he read some article that garlic was going to fix it. So he began taking garlic, not just a little garlic. Okay? And he read the article, and the guy said that if he did this, and, and it was some oregano thingy thing too, they're going on there. And God's made some amazing plants for us. And so don't get me wrong. If you're back there, essential oil person, don't, don't, don't get me wrong, all right? But this man began to walk past me, and he smelt like an Italian restaurant just walked past. <laughs> just walking past. You could smell the garlic, and it wasn't on his breath. It was coming out of him, the essence of garlic and oregano. And I don't know if it was something here or something physically. He felt better, and so he doubled down on it. <laughs> Love the man. Good Christian man. But the essence, the winsomeness of garlic and oregano came from him as he just walked by. He didn't have to say a thing. Right? If Christ is in us like this, as we walk past people, the winsomeness of Christ just wafts and fills the air. And so when it talks about the sin that clings so closely to us, 
We're talking about those burdocks this time of year that stick to us. The stick tights. And, 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 and I didn't want to show sort of gross like the little ticks or something like that. Because I knew there'd be some people that'd be sort of turned off and it would turn off the gospel switch. And they'd just like, never mind. We need somebody to pick them. Or, or a sticky trap. You know, it catches everything. Snakes, rats, rabbits, you know, my shoe. Right? Sticks to us. And we need some help. We need a Christian brother or sister to come alongside and help us because it's just all over us. Right? Help me. Help me get this off my life so I can then. Next part of the verse. Run the race that is set before us. Heard about something the other day. It was some fun run. I said, is somebody chasing me? Nope. Somehow, do I need to chase down food for my table? You know, nope. No, then there's no fun run in my life. <laughs> um, not, again, a little jilted, but um, fun and run, just, pff, that might be for you, but it's not for me. But Jesus said, we are running a race. And he's put it before us and I know this picture shows six different lanes and they're all running towards the cross and Calvary and, and things like that. But sometimes our lane has a hurdle in it. Sometimes our lane gets a little, like we, I was watching something where some guy was running out of the baseline and they're arguing with the umpire that he was out. The guy was like 90 miles, he's like halfway to the pitcher's mound. You're out, pal! You're out. It's, God is saying here, he set before us the lines that he wants us to follow. Sort of the baseline, sort of the, the track that he wants us to follow. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be this perfectly groomed, uh, uh, you know, kind of path. It may wander a little bit. It may go down into the deep valleys, but he's going to be there with us in the deep valleys. And, and, and it may go on to the mountain peaks where we can just see God and celebrate him. And that's awesome. But then, you know, in order to get to the top and appreciate the top, you've got to go through the valley and over the streams and sometimes through the rivers of what he's got before. But he says he sets it before us. It's, it's a path that he has for you and he's, it's a path that he has for me. It says run with endurance. And I've heard several pastors, you know, talk about, well, yeah, this is definitely a marathon in the Christian life and and uh, therefore, we have to really run with patience, run with endurance, run with long-suffering. I don't know about you, but I've got no mortgage on tomorrow. I can't, if I handed out a, a, a postcard today that said, hey, I need you the sign here that says, next week, Brother Brown, when, when Pastor Schmidt is back, uh, we're going to celebrate together what God's doing in my heart and life. I'm sorry, we live in a sin-sick world. There's not a guarantee that any one of us are going to make it back to our homes this afternoon. I Lord will that we do, all right? But none of us have a mortgage on tomorrow, and every breath that we take is a gift from him. And so whether you're running the long race or whether you're running the short race, like the gal on the side with the parachute behind her, we are working up the physical stamina, the physical patience, the emotional patience, the spiritual patience, the spiritual long-suffering that's required to make it in this sin-sick world. 
God, just put another pause in my heart. We've seen recently just streets on fire, cities on fire. These people need Jesus, all right? And if our streets are going to be on fire, they should be on fire because of the love of Jesus working out of our hearts and lives. That the love of God is so intense, burning within us, that his spirit is so amazing, let him be on fire for Jesus. So who's going to start to spark? Who's going to let God rub up against them and let the spiritual spark start in your heart today? Let's run with endurance. Whether it's the short run or whether it's the long run. Because we have an awesome Savior. In fact, the next part of the verse says, looking to Jesus. There's some things that can really captivate my heart and life right now in this world. There's some things that can, can get my eyes off Jesus. In the storm of life when God told his disciples, hey, get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you there. They did exactly what, what Christ told them. They got in the boat. They were professional fishermen and seamen. They got into the boat. And the storm hit. And it says the harder that they rode, the worse it got. And they were bailing out the boat when all of a sudden they see something walking on the water. And Peter says, let me come to you, Lord. So Peter gets out on the water. And he's walking with Christ. And then he gets his eyes off Christ. And he says, Lord, save me, else I die. And Christ grabs him, pulls him into the boat, and then commands the wind and the waves to be quiet. I don't know what storm you're in today, but we all have storms. And it says, taking my eyes off the world and fixing them on Christ is what's important. Looking to Jesus. Another way to say it is looking unto Jesus, making Christ, his word, his ways, the target of my life. Many of you know I enjoy long distance shooting. And it takes a certain amount of concentration and training and talent and I have to bring things into focus you ever think about focus for a second you ever try to get like a telescope focused on the moon or a microscope focused on a slide you're looking at something every time you look through the lens but it just depends on what it's focused on is what you can see and so where do you have your physical focus which then impacts our spiritual focus and vice versa. Our spiritual focus impacts our daily walk. Sometimes it's interesting to hear what we focus on. As we get a little older, it's interesting. You hear the organ recital. Well, the lumbago and the knee and the shoulder and the hip and the kidneys and the, our organ recital. 
going through the organs of our body that hurt. We live in a sin-sick world. Our bodies are going to decay, and sometimes it hurts more than others. And it doesn't mean that I won't pray for you, and it doesn't mean that it's not a hurdle today. But I know many of you who are super close to God go, yeah, pray for me. This is really keeping me from doing God's work today. Just pray with me. And we do. But we don't let that become the focus. We still set Jesus as the focus. Looking unto Jesus, he's the one that went before us and he says, pick up your cross and follow me. It just reminds me of how much he just wants to be part of what I'm doing. He understands the struggle. He understands the, the temptation. But he was also victorious. And I can have victory with him as well. I like the next part of the verse. It says, the author of our faith. Another way to put it, if you were doing some research and some, some study, would be the chief captain. The one who created. The one who leads. The one who we'll say, blazes the path. Jesus is the author of our faith. He went before us. He demonstrated how to live it. But not only that, he's the finisher. And you may ask, why, why do you have those different joints of wood there? Well, those are joints of wood that really only a master craftsman can put together in a good way. Um, you, it needs a little practice. It needs a little creativity. It needs a little planning, particularly the one there at the top. That's a special, very special, handmade, hand-carved joint. Very strong. But only a craftsman, master craftsman, can, can pull that off. And I don't want to bring Christ down to our level, but I'm trying to use an example that makes us understand that he puts all the pieces together. It, it, it doesn't surprise him when we struggle. In fact, he says, bring your struggles to me. I, I, I went through the pain. I had the crown of thorns pierced into my brow. I, I hung on a cross Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Didn't care too much that it was going to cost him everything. Just went to the Father one last time and said, if there's some other way, let me know. But if not, I'll drink from this cup. And then went to Calvary. Gave up his life for you and for me. The finisher. So we need to start strong. Starting with Jesus every day. Maybe you've not 
ever started your spiritual life. And today would be that day. And maybe you're a little up in years and your spiritual life is the marathon. And it's plodding along, but you can finish stronger. Don't you think for one second that your prayers aren't important? Don't you think for a second that somehow you can just put a pause on your spiritual life with God, continue to read his word, and pray for us, those who are behind you. Because you are now part of that great cloud of witnesses, of demonstrating how faith in Christ, what it looks like, how we can get through the difficult times, demonstrating that our God is good and is reliable, and that he doesn't also, he also starts things, but he's also a strong finisher. He that began the work was faithful to end the work. I read a lot about Oswald Chamber and Tozer. They're two of my favorite gentlemen in the faith. And Oswald Chambers said, he says, sin is not a weakness, it's a disease. It is a red-handed rebellion against God and the magnitude of that rebellion is expressed by Calvary's cross. You know, we hear a little bit of meeting force with force and law and order in our world today. But the God of all creation saw our rebellion against him and met it with the cross. The only thing that could save us from a Christless eternity in hell away from him forever, the only answer was the cross. So let's meet Jesus at the cross. Follow in his footsteps and look to generate and create a relationship with him every single day. We talked about it some already. None of us have a mortgage on tomorrow. If you know Jesus today, that means that we get a blessed opportunity to serve him now, right now. It's a blessed opportunity to serve him. And if you don't know Christ today, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, just a few chapters ahead of this, it's appointed unto man once to die. You know what? That's an appointment that none of us are going to meet. They're going to miss, rather. None of us are going to miss that appointment. Sometimes you might want to miss an appointment for a dentist. Some of us might miss a Zoom meeting call like I did this week. Oops. My little magic widget forgot to tell me I was supposed to be on a Zoom meeting today. I forgot. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It's an acceptable time. I've heard of you, and in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So Christian brother in Christ, sister in Christ, if Jesus has set you free, now is the day to serve him. He just loves when you bring glory to his name as you just shine Jesus. As the winsomeness of your walk with him 
just permeates out of your pores and as you walk through our halls and as you walk through the circles of your life, Christ and his essence just flow out of you. That's an amazing thing. But a lot of us, we like to slow walk it. We just figure that we should just take that verse that says, occupy till you come, like filling a vacuum. Now, like this little guy. Uh, we, God wants us with him. Not just someday, but today. So let's make today our someday. Jesus wants you. Lord, we're grateful for how you care for us. And you demonstrate to us that you love us so much that you surround us with an amazing example of 18 people who walk in faith, that cloud of witnesses. And then we can have the ability to set aside even good things for your kingdom because you have a special purpose that you want us to fulfill. And you warn us about the sin that is so easily stuck to us, the things that we so easily step into. And yet you still then say you want to set us on a path a path of righteousness. And you want us to run. And whether it's a long race or a short race, we can have endurance as your spirit empowers us to run. And then you celebrate that Christ went before us and he started the faith conversation. He wrote the faith into our hearts. And that you drew us unto yourselves and you are the perfecter of that faith. And with your grace, mercy, and by the power of your spirit, we can finish strong as well. Lord God, we'd ask that we would have the spiritual disciplines to overcome the hurdles to lean on you and in relationship with you conquer this wicked world that we live in. Lord, there may be someone here within the sound of my voice that does not know Christ, that has not made a life-changing decision for you. Lord, you just want to live in relationship with us. You love us so much you sent your son Christ to die on the cross and not to stay dead, but three days later, raised from the dead. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. May we have our hearts open to your call today as you knock on our heart's door. May we open to you even today. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Maybe there's a decision you made today. There's nothing special about these steps, but maybe it's just some consecration that you need to help put the stamp on your heart. 
Maybe you need to talk to a brother and sister in Christ in the back. We're here to help you. We love you. We'll share God's word with you from an open Bible. But don't go away from here unchanged because God has done his work. Let's let him celebrate through us what decisions we've made this morning.